myself and Chris. Um, hello, Chris. How are you? Grant, how are we? I am good. I hope everybody else is good. So um, we're going to do another one of those little random topics sessions today. So, um, Chris, do you want to pick a number between 1 and 13? We've gone through a couple already. But just Let's go 5. One, number two, 5. 3, 4. Getting back on track, which is probably going to be an appropriate thing for people to look forward to in January. That comes from Ms. Samia Kalides. Getting back on track. Yeah. Post any break, I'm assuming. Yeah, I suppose. So getting back on track either after a break from training or an injury or... <laughs> well, why don't you start with the, uh, return to play, injury kind of thing? Because there'll be a different psychology between falling off the nutrition wagon, getting out of the routine of training, but then also like fucking itching at the seams to get back into it yeah, because yeah. you're injured so yeah, why don't you start from your side of things yeah that's a good point I know what you mean so like for the sake of when you get back into it after a fall off the bandwagon for whatever reason it's it's laborious it's draining on the psychology but when you come back from an injury yeah you're you're almost fit you're you should well you should be mended like your bones and joints are all back where they need to be and now your fitness is down, but you are itching to go. Do you know, like it's been so long, you've been held back by the injury. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples, like with the military guys, and we used to we used to have to try and break them before we'd give them back to the return to play. So you get injured, cycle through the rehab system, and then after the rehab system, the next step is getting them back to the either the strength conditioning coach in the sports club, or getting them back to high level performance. And then with the military guys, it was getting them back to their regiment uh, training, which could be anything from running slowly with 20 kg on their in their backpack, or running for 20 kilometers in t-shirt and shorts in the rain. And then just they had this general fizz, which was just gigantic, like 100 man circuits in 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 rooms. And the cup, they're very undercoached just for volume to coaches. So we had to make sure that when we were giving them back, we were giving them back confident psychologically but also like that their actual bones and joints whatever the injury was was robust enough so we did as best as we could to to push them like uh that was a late stage rehab it was a separate group and we would try and almost break them again you know their sessions were brutal way harder than any of the stuff we would hope that they would do with their coaches but in a much more controlled environment you know we had all eyes on them um, so that they had the confidence to go and do their thing and we knew that we wouldn't see them again in like four and a half weeks when they just break down and circle back through the system. So there's that side of it where um, if you know that your injury is robust and you're not going to get hurt again, then you've got much more confidence in pushing yourself. But then you've got to deal with the adaptation you've had to not training. So you've had your six weeks at a minimal hum of intensity so you're weak you're cardiovascularly not fit so you have to put all those like frustrating thoughts aside and just be patient with that process and just build up um i suppose when it comes to the injury side of things psychology psychology plays a massive yeah. part in in the whole thing yes there's the sports psychology and there's exercise psychology behind everything but it goes at level deeper with an injury that you have to be aware of um, and anyone who's had an injury will be fully aware of 
of what we're talking about or even a major injury like a major injury and the news that you get from doctors can be can be very frightening and very scary and almost like you question like I know for let's say if you're a rugby player which I was and and you break you break a leg or an ankle <coughs> and you miss out on on some massive tournament then you have to question am I ever going to play again am I ever going to do this am I ever going to be able to do this again so when people get really bad news I'd say some of my clients have got really bad news from doctors before they they question everything and it's like it's actually not going to be that bad but there's this obstacle there's this psychological obstacle in the way that we have to get past first then we get into the training and you'll say like you said the six weeks off yeah okay typically we'll go six weeks off on the injured area but we can still train the other areas you know what i mean so even getting past that obstacle oh the doctor said i shouldn't do anything well i mean yeah he probably said you shouldn't do anything on your right knee but yeah we've got two shoulders two elbows uh, a, a left knee and an, an ankle as well so we can work on those things you know yeah i think what you said there is uh you, you, you're, you're knocking on the door of a wormhole when you talk about what the doctors tell people, you know? Like, some doctors are great. They've got it spot on. They have the experience. They've worked in sports injuries. They've worked in uh, with teams. They're either currently or previously, so they know how to sort of hedge their bets and say, look, this is X of an injury. Now, if you do this, this, and this in the early stage, you'll get to Y really fast. Um, and they can map out a few different eventualities for people. If you don't do that, this is going to happen. You'll be over here on this axis, you know, in, in six weeks' time. And it just inspires people with a bit more confidence. I've had clients, so I had a client who had a sore anterior knee, and the, the, the phone call I had with her circulated around, the doctor told me I need to strengthen my knee without putting force through the joint. And I was like, that, that's, that's like, you can't do that. You, that's like saying, I want you to move over there without touching the ground. Like, you... You, you can't do that. You have to force your knee. So sh that gave her the idea where she needed to do that one where you kick your leg out, which is like the leg extension. I was like, well, great. Yeah, you can do that forever. But that's one thing. Like, we need to do more than that. So she followed his advice. And then after about after a couple of months, she got back in touch with me going, I don't think this is working because I'm everything else is going wrong. So I think I might just try. And I was like, great, let's go. So that was when I couldn't, as a meathead PT, I can never out do a doctor with my chat you know because you have to kind of respect what the doctor says you can't call a doctor that you can't say that's terrible advice because it's it's it, you physically or li what's the word kind of academically we're outranked by doctors now experientially i've got a lot more experience with sports injuries than some doctors but not all and i can't it's not for me to say who who which is which but some doctors are great like we, we've had a client recently i won't mention who it is but uh one doctor told her that she would possibly need surgery for all these reasons. And then she went to another doctor in the last week or two. Doctor's like, absolutely not. That's, that doctor said that based on the scan. Firstly, there's, no, there's nothing clear on the scan. But also, when I test you clinically, when I bend you, pop you, twist you, blah, 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 none of the signs come up positive for that. So Park, she literally said to me on a voice note, I, I spoke to the doctor. The doctor told me. I told her to park the idea outside her head and don't let it back in. <laughs> she, what this is what she needs to do, blah blah blah. So I was like, okay, amazing, that's fantastic news. Yeah, I think w I had a I had a client in as well. Just recently got news of when 
when he first came in, it was the worst news ever. We're going to need surgery. You've destroyed your shoulder, blah, blah, blah. And it took some, like, very, very gentle persuasion to get some minor exercise going. And then all of a sudden, six months later or whatever, there's, n there's now no need for surgery. And we never had a surgery. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's important to not fall off the wagon when we do get an injury. Um, and even, I suppose, we've kind of gone off on a tangent a little well, bit. But yeah, well, what I was saying, that last <coughs> bit you just said, there's two factors at play there when you talk about the doctor giving advice, A, and the person letting it into their mind no matter what just because it's a doctor mm. what the doctor said so there's two there's almost two guilty parties clashing so you need to have there's almost four variables there's if the doctor is that way and the client is not receiving to that we can make great progress mm. if the doctor is that way and the client is very susceptible to that appeal to authority where if someone in a good position says something i'll believe it no matter what we've got a massive problem but the doctor isn't that way and the person is in a only has that appeal to authority approach, then we can work with that. And if the person and the doctor are both more like, you know, aware of what's going on and able to think about things through multiple different per, um, perspectives, then we got great. So there's really only one out of four potentials that's a, that creates a massive problem. And it is rare. Some people hear info from doctors and like, the doctor didn't really listen to me, do you know, or the, mm. the, sound, the physio, whoever, didn't really listen to what I was saying. They're more interested in telling me about their bike <laughs> when they heard I cycled. <laughs> you know, I heard that recently as well. Oh, my God. Someone spent a long time with a top back doc, and when the doc found out that he was a cyclist, they, the doc spent 15 minutes talking about mm. cycling. I, I, you'd often wonder, does it kind of goes back to the other point you were saying, is maybe the doctor's saying one thing, but the person is interpreting it as something else. Or maybe they say one small thing and they yeah. grab and hold on to that. We've spoke about this before yeah. where uh, in human nature, we hear what we want to hear or we, we connect with what we want to connect with, with something that was said. And unfortunately, people like being injured. There is that, yeah. Like So people will grasp onto something. I don't know if it's a attention seeking or subconscious attention seeking or what it is or I can't explain it but we've definitely noticed that people enjoy the process of being in not necessarily being injured because it's not very nice but there's something in that and I'd be guilty of it like I used to love going into school with black eyes and <laughs> bloody casts on my legs and stuff do you know what I mean <laughs> but like you, you know what I mean? There's, this hu there's something in a human psychology there that uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's more than, than what I know. Yeah, I, you see it, it, whether it's an excuse that people are not up to my best. Like, I'll tell you who's really guilty for it as a, as a, broad, as a broad speaking, um, a broad sweeping statement. Athletes, track and field athletes, and anybody who's, whose competition is against a clock or a time or is like a distance like throwers and high jumpers where where it's it's millimeters in the difference of success or failure it's it's hundreds thousands of a second when they get a cold long distance runners when they get a cold it's you'll you'll know about it because they're not up to their best mm. and that's the human the human is never 100 percent. playing rugby you never go into a game 100 percent. even preseason games you're never going into you're always busted somewhere but most people get on with it in a team sport you can kind of hide away but in an individual sport they get found out much quicker and there's always a reason they're injured, they're coming back from injury, they didn't sleep, they've got a cold. Um, and that is that idea where they're, they're attached 
to that uh, that hampering, do you know, whether it's an injury, whether it's their shoulders not right. You see in the class sometimes people mm. stop. They stop mid-set, and we've seen it. We've seen you people stop mid-set and do a little uh, little rotating on my shoulder. Like, oh, my shoulder's a bit sore. I'm okay. I'll keep going. I'm going to push through. I'm a, I'm a warrior. I'm a trooper. It's like... We, we used to have a, a, a rule in the military to people. There's no limping in the gym. So if you're limping, don't come in. Go to the doctor. Mm. Like if you're trying to get kudo points, brownie points for limping, but you're still showing up. It's like stop limping, uh, walk properly, or go to the doctor. There's no limping. In the, like you're not, you can't limp <laughs> into the gym. Like there was a few special cases who legitimately ha- could only limp because they're properly broken. But the other guys are like, listen, if your foot is that sore, go to the doctor. Yeah. Stop limping. Oh, you can walk properly. Okay, well then walk properly. Let's get on with it. Um, so there is that little attachment where people use it as a little excuse to be n- not a hundred percent, and then I think that just gets uh, inflated a little bit, and we see it, we see it quite commonly. So, yeah, that on, enough on injuries. I think. Yeah, is I mean, look, what, what else did we say? Well, there's so also the getting the back the after on track after Christmas. Do you know? And what, what are you <coughs> going to do in the next three weeks? Yeah, well, that's what I suppose. What we've put together this. We've put together this YouTube channel. Uh, we've put together this this fitness uh, concept. Uh, we got the Zoom on board as well. So I'm, we're continuing to run a, a somewhat decreased schedule um, because uh, we just won't get the numbers. December is a very slow time of year. However, it still gives people the chance to do something or to keep ticking over. Inevitably, people are going to fall off the bandwagon. Um, and then getting back on that is the hard part. I think you could break that down into two parts, nutrition and training. I think people are really hard on themselves when it comes to falling off the wagon in terms of nutrition. Um, they get real down on themselves. They start to think that they, they made a massive fuck up. Uh, and it comes back to this thing we spoke about last week of people trying to kind of take back control of, 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 their, um, of their habits. So that's one thing, and that comes down to education of understanding the whole principle of, of we need to take, or we're, if, we're, if we're behaving ourselves 80% of the time, then it's okay to fuck up from time to time. It's okay to have a bad day if you have six good days in a week, or a bad week if you have three good weeks in a month. Uh, whereas, like, And I'm guilty of it as well. I think if people, or if you say, oh, I've, I've had one bar of chocolate, I may as well have five other bars of chocolate. Kind of, what's the difference? Whereas, like, one bar of chocolate's fine. Just st- stall it there. So that's a that's an interesting side from the nutrition side of things. I don't know. Have you? How would you? you how would you advise that? people? Like, because Christmas is a time now where everyone's going to be having parties and whatever else, and the training schedule's reduced. That there's an excuse for people to miss a session. But how, like, how much of it is? Uh, how much wiggle room have people got? To that's okay. And then how much? At what point do people need to put the brakes on? And then how do we get people back from off the wagon? Yeah, I think you probably know yourself. Give yourself a spectrum, like a, I'm doing good or I'm being an arsehole spectrum. And you can kind of decide where you are on a, at any given point. And if you're kind of a bit more towards the, the bad end, then, then reel it in a bit. Um it's hard to tell, right? It's everyone's different when it comes to that sort of thing. So, w- what's right? What's wrong? Are you still training? So, there's no real perfect point of you're doing bad or you're doing good. 
I think it is Christmas. We need to be a little bit lenient on ourselves, but we also need to understand the show must go on. So, um, yeah, that's there. In terms of nutrition, there is no real point um, to say there where we should kind of understand if we should stop or if we should keep going. Uh, what was the next bit? Training, getting back into it. Um, yeah, like what? How do you I I would I would say try not to stop. Yeah. You know the the tools are there to not stop. Um, God, you can even go for a walk or a run or a swim. You know, um, some of us might not be swimming back in the UK and Ireland yeah. or wherever mm-hmm. or in yeah. Europe, but uh, I mean we can still get out and about and do things and go for hikes and go for walks. So at least you're not just slobbing around and doing nothing. The more you keep ticking over, the less likely you are to completely fall off. And if you do completely fall off, well, then it's just a matter of preparing yourself uh, to start somewhat slowly when you come back for a week or two. And then, so you predetermined, okay, I'm going to take two weeks off of doing nothing. Fine. That's absolutely fine. Uh, But I must start on the 2nd or 3rd of January, and I must start two to three sessions a week regardless. I must understand that I'm going to start with a lighter weight, lighter intensities, and I'm going to probably come back in a couple of kgs heavier. But as long as I'm aware of that and I've predetermined those 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 points, then I'll know and I know what to expect when I come back. And then two or three weeks into a rhythm, middle of January, you're flying again. Yeah, I would just say simply like there's always to just get out and walk or get on a treadmill and walk and try and hit your 10,000 steps that will cull at least some of the damage it'll also give you some mental uh positivity about the fact that you're just sitting down we'll probably be the same we'll probably do a few days sitting down watching tv watching netflix um the best thing will because we've got the dog got my dog you've got your dog you can just get out like there was a few weekends ago where I did nothing all day. I was like, I need to just get out. I took the dog for a massive long walk. Didn't change my world. Intrinsically, I didn't feel any different. But mentally, I was like, well, at least I've done something today. I didn't just do <coughs> uh, 1,500 steps. So that option is always there, no matter what your kind of weather or your climate is. Here, the weather's great. Um, so you, are you promoting that we all get dogs for Christmas? Yeah, is that <laughs> puppies for life, not just for Christmas. And it'll be amazing for life. Adopt, don't shop. Yeah. Um, having with that said, then I don't know why this just came into my head. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Mm, no, I hate them. Why? Because uh, I'm fairly content with what I'm doing <laughs> on, a, on a day-to-day basis. Maybe something to do with productivity. I'm a bit of a uh, a snoozer in the morning, but I don't really care about that. Like you, people say, it's get up straight out of bed and make your bed. Oh, I, can't do do that. I was like, no, I'll, uh, I'll happily snooze here for five or six times and then... Do you make your bed? Get up. I do make my bed, yeah. Yeah, there's that, there's that, whatever, that military sergeant thing. It's like, get, make your bed the first thing in the morning and you've got the day off to a good day. Like, that's... It doesn't make that much difference. <laughs> <laughs> no. It doesn't change no, your whole it world. Doesn't, it doesn't. Unless you're really out I d- of I don't know what the target market for that kind of stuff is, that self-help stuff is. Like, you see a lot of people go out and, and change your life, get up straight out of bed, don't snooze. It's like, I mean, just set the alarm, like, 20 minutes earlier and if you like snooze and have a snooze. Man, I set, I've talked about this to a few people in the gym. I set about seven alarms two minutes apart and 
it's at least 10 minutes before my brain realizes that uh, that's the alarm going off. Mm-hmm. I've pressed snooze loads. If I do one alarm, I'm not making any morning sessions. <laughs> like, not a chance. You what about you? Have you any, any yeah, like year's I, resolutions? Uh, I, not quite so extreme this year. Last year and the year before, I'd set them. But this year, January time, I'm going to delete Netflix and just see what happens. I'm just going to see, going to get rid of it for a month. So last year I got rid of my Apple Watch for January. Didn't you get rid of Deliveroo for a while as well? Yeah, that was the year before. So the year before, the the plan was to, before lockdown, it was to go out of my comfort zone once a month. And that month was stop getting deliveries and figure out how to cook and do all that stuff. So that was January 2020. A few more that year, but then COVID came and just massively, that was enough to be out of your comfort zone. That was fine for the year. Last year, then, I decided I was going to have one certificate in something a month. So I got, I'm on six. I haven't got 12. I got six. Uh, so I don't have any wild or wacky things this Did year. Laura, you and Laura have a medal a month or something like that? that no, it? she does that one. Oh, she do does that. that. I don't know if she's done that. She, she might have done that two years ago. Um, it was the, it must have been 2020, because I think one of the months was going to be, I think that, coronavirus got that and killed it for her what uh what what advice then would you give to people setting goals or setting new year's resolutions don't just turn around and be like i'm gonna like put give it a small narrow window of time whatever it is it's going to be and i think that like the same way people decide right oh i've had a silly weekend Monday or Sunday, I'm going to go back to the gym and start. Like, that's your bookend. And you need to be productive, probably start of the week and get less productive to the end of the week. Sometimes, you know, people do monthly annual finance or monthly finance stuff. You close the month, you know. So there's a bookend on these times where you can go, that's in the past. This is now the fresh thing. And I think the year is a great one. I don't think you need to go wild and set massive ones like I'm going to lose 20 kilos, you know, or I'm going to go to the gym three times a week for the whole month. That's probably a good one is, is something small. But I would say, like, keep it vague but but timed. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I didn't know what it was going to be when I did the out of my comfort zone one. It turned out that the cooking one was one. The second, February was the rack half marathon, but that was relatively easy because I've ran a lot. But my first half, March was going to be a triathlon, and then COVID came. April was going to be Everest Base Camp that year uh and i can't remember what one the summer i had like i was going to book a full month of guitar lessons in the summer i was just going to book them and pay some person and teach me or whatever it was one or two a week whatever it is uh so i might come back to that in a few years but this year just i'm going to get rid of netflix and see where that takes me see what happens with the time what do i do do i just watch youtube or do i write a masterpiece novel or learn to paint i don't know um so you're saying you typically have 12 things you want to achieve each year one one per month in the last few that's years that's a that's a typically with goal setting um i remember when i had a, my very first client uh when we started the company a super successful millionaire guy and he said what is it you want to achieve with your business and blah, blah blah sure we didn't have a clue but they said he said there's a, a trick called chunking <laughs> where typically they'll set a, a pretty big goal and then they'll break it down into much smaller chunks um which is you've come across you've come at it from a slightly different angle but 
it's still bite-sized digestible pieces of yeah the puzzle and ultimately, by the end of the, the comfort zone thing was to be better at doing things that were outside my comfort zone. So there was, right, let me do 12 this year, whatever. So, uh, and they didn't have to be wildly out of my comfort zone. Like some of them were, the running half wasn't, but it was my first rack half. Fair, fair enough, that was my first half marathon on, on, a, on an event. I've done marathons, so it's not that far out of my comfort zone. The triathlon was going to be, which I've swam and I've cycled and ran, just the swim bit was the comfort zone. Everest Base Camp was going to be a big one. And then doing some stuff during the summer was going to be another one for the summer months. Uh, what was last year's one? Oh, last year's was a certificate. You know, similar kind of things, you know, learn some new stuff. But the idea is by the end of the year, you got a tangible, all right, well, that was the year I did that. That was the year I did that. And uh, the Everest Base Camp one, I mean, look, we might have got to this stage in general, but look at the stage we're at now, you know. One little step in one direction two three years later you're suddenly much further down that line than you wouldn't have never anticipated yeah um so that's that so i would say look to people de definitely do the things it doesn't have i'm not i don't struggle with my discipline but i was just like let me just try how am i going to get better at some stuff that i'm not good at uh let me do do one a month um so yeah right let's let's do one more quickly on these um uh, pick say number what did I just do? We've done two, five, nine. Pick a number there, I'll tell you if we've done it already. Eleven. Squat technique. This won't take long. <coughs> <laughs> this is easy. Knees, uh, knees right. out. Is, it, is this for me? Did I do this? No, this is Liz. Liz, squat technique. Um, starts at the feet, the ankle, the knee, the hip, and it pretty much ends there that determines everything else that happens at the spine and the shoulder um there is multiple types of squat uh some are extremely easy some are somewhat difficult um, why do we squat why do we What's squat i mean why not is my typical question because we if we can do it why don't we do it uh, but it, it does translate to a whole bunch of, of athletic uh, possibilities and strengthening exercises that allow us to go and do the stuff that we want to do, i.e. Uh, hiking, cycling, climbing, whatever we want to do. So, yeah, the force that's produced during a squat strengthens the hips area uh, particularly and, and the quads, um, which then allows us to produce a whole range of forces in different planes of direction, etc., to to achieve the things that we want to achieve. And from you, um, I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a weird one because it's actually extremely important, but it's also extremely boring to talk about. Do you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, not, it's not exciting. No, it's definitely not. And it's it's, but it is so important. You, like when you see kids doing the squats, they bend over playing the dirt. They do a perfect squat. And then that kid then sits at a school desk for the next 12 to 15, 16 years and then can't, comes out of, I have a, a guy who can't squat, just started, 19 year old, can't squat, calves too tight, just falls backwards. He's now come from a medical center, been sent to me because he had a back issue that's been resolved. But, uh, I mean, that just comes from sitting down. 
straight straight up. Uh, he didn't play any sports. He wasn't very physically active. Blah blah blah. The story goes on. But he's he's uh, now he's a young adult. He wants to get jacked, but he can't do this without hurting his back. Mm-hmm. So um, it's mad how wrong it can get go for people. But it's such a fundamental. I mean, Liz is Liz is a yoga teacher, right? Um, yeah, and she does a lot of uh, body body work yeah as she says so i'm sure she's quite into this um again i'll just say anyone interested in understanding more about the squat uh it, it comes in so many formats so there's there's standardized uh movement style squats then there's performance based squats i.e power lifting or or weightlifting um and then you can go on and and do that with with single leg stuff and and different plane of motion stuff. So it's typically squatting is, is either bilateral, which is two legs, or um, what's the other one? Unilateral. <laughs> Unilateral, <laughs> uh, which is single leg. Uh, and then from there, we need to consider multiple planes of direction, so forwards, backwards, sidewards, and um, yeah, that's y- you'll typically find those are the foundational considerations when it comes to programming. Uh, and from there, we can load the top up with different actual final choice exercises. So whether it be a goblet squat, a sumo squat, a back squat, a front squat, an overhead squat, a reverse lunge, a lateral lunge, a Cossack squat, uh, a forward lunge, etc. So um, those are all things that we need to consider and play around with and understand how they benefit. What's the hardest squat? Well, it depends on where your restrictions are. Typically, people are tight in the hips or the ankles. So you'll see some uh, pretty bent over squats as opposed to very upright squats. Uh, You'll see butt winks in some people. You won't see them in other people. Um, Yeah, I mean, there is no... I, I uh, front squats probably ninety percent of people's uh, worst really favorite squat. Yeah, why? Because the weight is slightly forward as opposed to being in your midline, um, which means it's pulling you forward and you have to fight against it. So instead of it resting on you and you kind of it's sitting there, you can just kind of relax. You have to fight against this front squat that's pulling you forward. I actually prefer the front squat to the back squat, but I think that's because I have an old back PTSD from back pain during the back squat. I find overhead squats unbearably difficult. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're, yeah, they're they're typically the hardest one. <coughs> I can't get my back and shoulders in the right place. Yeah. And then it goes squirrely. Probably, t- typically, it starts, overhead squat ability starts at the ankles. So if you get your ankles raised or your heels raised, you'll find you can pop into a deeper squat. You'll notice your knees can go a lot more forward. You can open up your knees a bit more. And then as a result, you can be a bit more upright. Now, when you're more upright, you don't actually have to. I know I'm demonstrating here. <laughs> Nobody can see this. People listening just has one hand in the air. But if your torso is more upright, you can hold an overhead squat much more simply, right? Whereas if your ankles are shit and your hips are back and your chest is down, your uh, shoulder then needs a lot more range to go into the position that it needs to go into to keep the bar overhead, which is where we often see 
and I think it's why CrossFit got quite a bad name for itself. These horrendous uh, snatches, <coughs> amongst other reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, we p- anybody who's still awake, we shall finish on that. Let's not bore people to death. Uh, you're off. For cre- you here for another week? Yeah, one more week. We will get another podcast in before I go. Yeah, we got one more done. We'll have to talk about something a bit more cheery. And then in the new year, we're gonna have uh, a couple of other people join us as well for the for the chats. So um, yeah, we shall leave it at that. Thank you for listening. Appreciate your patience. Happy with that, Chris? Yeah, have a good day. All right, bye.